0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for
1: the I know, we're scared of the works side of things, right? But listen, if you're saved by the grace of God through your faith in Jesus Christ, you're gonna do works. It's going to happen. Now works don't determine whether or not you're going to heaven, because that's solved by the blood of Jesus Christ but there is a fight that still has to be fought. You have to stay free. Means you have to actively make choices and decisions that keep you free.
0: There was in the early church a false teaching spreading throughout the church that in order for you to be truly saved, you must add works to your belief in Christ. Get circumcised, obey the law, eat the right foods, and believe in Jesus, and then you'll be good enough for salvation. Today, Pastor James will explain Paul's strong argument against these lies. Belief in Christ has, in fact, set you free from the futility of trying and failing to obey the law completely. Paul urges you to now live in that freedom by faith in Christ. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
2: Broken,
1: broken. Getting into the word in Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. We're going through this verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we actually read into this verse last week, as because uh, you know from four to five, it basically it's a continuation there. But you have a you have a group of individuals there in the region of Galatia that have um, they've been bamboozled, okay. They've been, somebody has come in and said, listen, Jesus is not enough. I'm glad you identify Jesus as your Lord and Savior. However, what you need to realize is that Jesus is not enough, is what they were saying to these guys. And they were leading them astray. Anytime you put Jesus plus something else, you really uh, kind of void out the Jesus side of that equation, because it can't be Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus alone, his sacrifice, his payment on the cross alone is more than enough. You'll never exhaust how enough that is, okay? All of your life, all of eternity, you'll never even scratch the surface of just how enough Jesus is, right? These guys were getting tricked. So I'm going to read from uh, New Living Translation here. It says, uh, so Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in uh, in slavery to the law. Or it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, as the NIV would say. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So this is a proclamation that Paul is he's he's throwing out there to these guys who at one point in time were never even bound to the law. They're Gentiles. They've lived almost the entirety of their lives free of the law. Paul shows up, proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. These guys get saved, and yes, they are saved. They get saved, and then these religious guys come in right after them and says, oh, let let us tell you about the law. And so now these Gentiles, who were never under the law, were free of it, said, yeah, sign us up. Sign us up what do we got to do? Well, let's start with circumcision. Bad place to start as far as I'm concerned, but all right. They're like, well, you got to be circumcised because you know God will not accept you if you are uncircumcised. Well, we didn't know that. Paul didn't tell us that. And Paul's like, he's losing his mind. Probably from Antioch, where this is being written. he's He's You know, he finished up this trip and went back to report on all the good things God was doing, then it probably wasn't too much longer after this first missionary journey that he got word that these guys are already getting tripped up. Over what? Over circumcision. And Paul begins to, and we've seen it all throughout this letter, this letter is very personal. It is theological, it's full of doctrine, but it is is absolutely full of uh, personal notes from the Apostle Paul, and he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You were never concerned about circumcision. And then when you received the gospel, you were never concerned about circumcision. And then somebody dressed in the right clothes shows up and says, oh, no, no, your faith is not good enough because you don't look the part. If you want to be accepted fully by God, well, then you have to be circumcised. And Paul is telling them, he's like, it is for freedom. If, so, if Christ has truly set us free, let's stay free. The same proclamation has to be addressed and has to be proclaimed by us to this day, to church congregations that are showing up all across this world. If Jesus has set you free, you must stay free. You have to stay free. Now, you're like, well, that sounds like, is that like a works thing? It's not works at all. It's relationship. And that's where we kind of miss it a little bit, because I know we're scared of the works side of things, right? But listen, if you're saved by the grace of God through your faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to do works. It's going to happen. Now, works don't determine whether or not you're going to heaven, because that's solved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But there is a fight that still has to be fought you have to stay free it means you have to actively make choices and decisions that keep you free it's weird that some people have this this mindset of like well i've given my life to jesus and yes he has set me free now i'm just going to kind of shift into neutral and let him just take full control of my life and you know i'll just i'll just sit i'll just sit around and you know I won't do anything and i'll just We'll just sit around and hopefully I just don't, you know, no sin easily besets me or anything like that. It's like, no, 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 you're called onto a mission. And part of that mission is is telling the gospel, but also the other side of that mission is we're going to see in this chapter is making spirit-led decisions. You got to make, you'll make choices. Spoiler alert, some of the decisions you maybe currently are making right now could be sinful. Make it right. Make it right. Don't fall back into this stuff. Paul is begging and pleading with these guys. He's like, look, you're set free. Jesus has set you free. Why in the world would you want to go back? Why? Go back to what? To bondage? To a taskmaster? That's been part of this book that I've been reading. It gives little glimpses of Spurgeon's life and then uh, Thomas Johnson's life. Thomas Johnson was the slave and." And his dealings with his, uh, his, his owner, um, his taskmaster, so to speak, and it, it would be ludicrous to go back into an oppressive relationship when you've been set free. And your new master, and that's what Jesus is, he is a master, okay, absolutely, Lord and Savior, Even Lord means that you, you do what he says, you do what he says, but there 's so much love and grace and mercy and freedom with Jesus. Why would you ever step away from this to go back to bondage and oppression that 's what they 're doing and, and, and it, it's just it's, it's really just driving Paul nuts because he's like, this is not logical. this doesn't make sense and we could we could understand that We know that if you 've ever if you've ever had a habit that was really just hard to kick and you kicked it and you won and you were delivered from that thing, you understand the insanity of going back into that lifestyle. You get it. Why would I? I, I don't want to go back because I understand. And, but we also know that there's this draw that's there as well, and, and we'll see that too. But Paul is begging with these guys, you, you have been set free by Jesus. Stay free. Stay free which means you have to actively make choices. These guys were choosing to listen to these other guys. They were choosing to believe what they were saying as truth. They were choosing to go down this path. This wasn't the devil making them do it. He might have laid out the trap, but they're the ones who walked into it. And Paul is saying, no, 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 that's not how it works in Christianity. Jesus has set you free. Now you use this brain you have, and use this, the, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Make smart decisions. Stay free. Stay free. He goes on to say, Paul does, um, you know, don't get tied back up into the boundary. He says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ cannot help you. <laughs> That's a bold statement. I mean, you could insert, you could take out circumcision and you can insert anything else there. If you are counting on this to make you right with God, then Jesus is of no benefit to you. He's of no benefit to you. Because you've added to the equation, this plus Jesus equals right with God. And that's garbage. It's nonsense. Paul's saying, if you're counting on the circumcision that these other guys are selling you on, Christ is of no benefit to you because he was never of a benefit to you if he was never good enough for you. Is he enough? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. The answer is always yes. The answer is always yes. Paul goes on to say, I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey all the regulations of the whole law of Moses. Moses. If, you, if, if this is what, you know, you want to buy into what they're saying, and these same guys don't even, they, they don't even keep all the regulations. They can't because nobody can, right? Jesus did, which is why he's enough, okay? But Paul's saying, look, okay then, let me tell you this. If you think by circumcision it's going to make you right with God, then you better obey every single law and regulation. Because if you miss on one, You're disqualified. You're disqualified. So get your tally sheet, get your your spiritual law checklist. I hope you have a really big refrigerator because there are a lot of them, and stick it up there. And every single moment of every single day, you check off all of the ones that you're getting right. And if at any single moment in any single day you miss one, disqualified. Go for it. Try it. Try it. You'll fail. You'll fail miserably. And here's the the outcome of that. You will be so depressed. You will be so discouraged. You will be so downtrodden because you're trying your best to stay right with God. And the whole time, here's this loving Heavenly Father who's saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? I've already done it all. I've already done it all. Why don't you just hang out with me? Why don't you just talk to me? Why don't we just spend some time together? This isn't what I want from you. This is not anything I've ever asked from you. The price has been paid. The bridge that was broken by sin has been reconstructed by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're good. We're good. That's how amazing God is. That's how amazing Jesus is. But if you want to try it, knock yourself out. You won't last long. You won't last long. Goes on to say, continuing on with this little argument here, for if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Or NIV, um, I'm not a real big NIV guy. Um, I got my own reasons, whatever. But uh, I just happen to have it here right in front of my face. Uh, It says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated by Christ or from Christ, not by Christ, but from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Like, that's the gravity of trying to perform for God. You are the one who separates yourself from him. You are the one who walks away from grace. His grace is sufficient. You know what that means? That means it it is absolutely perfectly suited for your life. Every moment of your life, it is more than you'll ever need. It never runs out. It never runs dry. His grace is absolutely sufficient. It is absolutely perfect, and it is always there. If anything happens between you and Jesus, let me tell you this, it's on you. He doesn't turn from you. He doesn't abandon you. He never abandons us. He never withdraws grace from us. It is we who turn our backs on him. It is we who separate ourselves from the grace of God. And the way we commonly do that is we get caught up in this thing of, well, I have to perform. i got to perform. And if I'm not doing this, this, and this, then God's mad at me. And what what you're actively doing, here is God, constant and steady, arms wide open, like, hey, Come back in here. You're going down the wrong path. And this is us. We're turning our backs and we're rationing. We're, re- we're going through reasoning within our brains of like, oh, man, I'm not doing good. God's not happy with me. And the more we have this conversation in our heads, the further away we get from him. He stays the same. And he's like this. Where are you going? Come back. Come back. My grace is sufficient for you. His grace is all we need. Paul is, he's warning these guys, he's like, look, you are the ones who are walking away from him. And he's not talking about a loss of salvation here. This is another thing we need to settle within our hearts, because he's not talking about you're losing your salvation, what, I mean, which would be, if it was true, I don't know where you stand on that at all, I feel as though God has our salvation firmly in his grasp. I'm not worried about losing my salvation. The thing that concerns me more than anything else is walking away from the grace of God and being a Christian who lives a good portion of his life apart from the grace of God. How sad and traumatic is that? That's What a waste. What a waste. Because I can tell you this, if you walk away from the grace of God, I can promise you, you are not being an effective witness on this earth. You're not. And so you get up to heaven, you're like, oh, man, I can't believe I made it, right? It would probably be most of us, I think, would be like, whoa, whew, I'm so, man, I'm glad I made it. I mean, I believe, but, you know, it was getting hot over there for a little bit. But how, how, how traumatic, and it's, I get it, I know, heaven, there's no tears, it, but to, to look back, if you were allowed, and the Lord says, man, look at how many years you spent away from me, and you had direct access to me every single moment of every single day. Not that he would do that, Okay, I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to implant some sort of seed within your hearts and your minds to say, you know what? Sit close to Jesus and be on mission for Jesus now, today. You won't have any regrets when you get to heaven. Okay? It's like Greg says, everybody's going to be dumping Gatorade buckets on each other and be like, I can't believe you made it. I can't believe I made it, right? That's part of the celebration, I'm sure, right? There is a danger for believers, though, to get sidetracked by some wind of doctrine that comes sweeping through the church and says, you know what? Jesus is awesome. However, if anybody shows up in your life or you pick up a book and it says, Jesus is really great, however, or but, throw that in the garbage. Throw it in the trash, because that's where it belongs. For the individual who may have that conversation with you, don't throw them away. Okay, that's not nice. Um, engage them in a conversation. Say, explain to me why Jesus isn't enough. Can you enlighten me as to why Okay, so Jesus is a great teacher, cool. Yeah, he is. He's the best one ever. He was a prophet, absolutely, absolutely. Is he the son of God, the perfect sacrifice? Well, I believe he is. I believe he is. And I think that he is more than enough. I think his sacrifice on the cross for my sins, and it was my sins that put him there, and his resurrecting from the grave was more than enough. So please enlighten me as to why that's not enough. I'm all ears. I'm listening. So you got to engage people as people because people are people created in the image of God. Whether they believe you or not, it does not matter. All people are created in the image of God. And some people have differing views than what you may hold fast to. And that's okay. You can have a conversation with them and you have every right to ask them. So explain that to me. Explain that to me. I love that. I love getting to meet different people. And um, I didn't really get to go too in depth with a, a gentleman I met this past week. He was cleaning some uh, air vents and stuff for uh, a buddy of mine his house. And this guy is, um, I could tell, he's not from here, you know? Um, looks, and I could tell. Uh, and so I told him my name, he told me his name, and he was like, you know in Israel, He's like, we have this place, and it's called James something. I'm like, I've been to Israel three times. And this dude's like, what? He's like, seriously? Because he just moved here from there. And he's like, oh. He's like, and we had a beautiful conversation about the beautiful land of Israel. What's your favorite place? And we're talking about the food. We're talking about all this stuff. Uh, Unfortunately, our conversation got cut short because he had to go back to work. Um, He was the boss. Uh, But any chance chance you get to have with maybe a Jew... Ask them. Have conversations like, help me, help me figure this thing out. You guys are waiting for the Messiah. We, we read in the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. So help me understand where you guys are coming from. Why do you not think it's Jesus? For our Muslim friends who respect Jesus as a teacher, as a prophet, well, why, why don't you guys think, why don't you believe that his death on the cross was enough to satisfy sin, to cover all the sins of mankind? Let's have those conversations. Why, we, in, in my experience, and you'll run into some every so often or, or whatever, whoever it may be, an atheist, regardless, people are oftentimes very open to share with you what they believe. And a healthy conversation is for us to be able to go back and forth and say, well, but why do you believe that? And then they have every right to ask you, but why do you believe that? And you should be ready to give a defense for what you believe in. It's it's beautiful, right? And, once, and I know it doesn't always work out that way, because some people are very hostile. They don't want to hear it. I get it. I've had those conversations. But it's an amazing thing when you treat people like people, and you really try to gain an understanding of where they're coming from. Why do you believe that? So, Here's Paul addressing the fact that you have this strange wind of doctrine that's come in, and it's nothing new, but it's leading these guys astray. And he says, listen, if, if you're, walking, you're walking out on God, that's what you're doing. You're walking out on Him. He says, goes on to say, verse 5, but we who live by the Spirit, this is key, we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive everything promised to us who are right with God through faith. We who live by the Spirit, okay, the Spirit, the Spirit of God is, is taking up residency within inside of us, and we are living by the Spirit. He's going to talk about this, but the second half of chapter 5, we'll, we'll talk all about that, what that looks like. A Spirit-controlled life versus a, a fleshly-controlled life, okay? Because there, there's fruit, and there's fruit, and you can tell. But he says, we who are controlled by the Spirit, um, we're led by the Spirit, or as NIV says, but by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Love. What a word. What a term that we have no idea what it means. Like, Especially in America. I mean, love means everything. I love avocados. I really do. I love avocados. I man, I love those things. I love my wife. Are they the same? No. But I'll use the same term to describe I love I love my daughter. She turned thirteen today. I love ice cream cake, because that's what she made last night. Right? It's like, but it's not so in other cultures they usually use varying words to describe love, what we're talking about here. For
2: the hopeless, hopeless, bread for the broken,
0: yeah. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Galatians, a New Testament letter penned by the Apostle Paul. Its lessons on unity and holiness may have been written long ago, but these truths can still be applied in your life today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the messages you've heard on Bread for the Broken. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor James on this topic, you can visit our website today at breadforthebroken.com. Do you live in the Galveston area, and are you looking for a church home? We'd be honored to have you join us at Calvary Galveston this Sunday at 10 a.m. We're a laid-back church, and we encourage you to simply come as you are. You can get directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. If you're not able to come in person, that's okay. We're streaming our weekly services on Facebook Live. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask you a question. Would you partner with us here at Bread for the Broken? We'd be honored if you'd pray with us for everyone who's listening to this program, that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated no matter the size. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com thanks for coming alongside us to share the gospel message and thanks for listening today to Bread for the broken let
2: me paint the picture of love and give.